So, kicking off our summer series, Proverbs. It's one of the wisdom uh, books of the Old Testament. Wisdom books include Job, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, and then we'll read a bit from James, which is kind of considered a a wisdom book in the the New Testament. One thing that we love to do here at the church is we love to kind of tackle whole books of the Bible. So kind of how we do it is Old Testament, New Testament, Old Testament, New Testament, back and forth. And then in the middle, we'll kind of sprinkle in series that are pertinent to where we're at in the life of our church. But what we, we, we kind of get out of this is at the end, we, we really have a good grip on the application of, of a book. And, and so that's a, that's, that's a neat thing. And, and so tonight, as we jump into Proverbs, my prayer is that we're going to end the summer uh, with the same kind of thing. We end with a real understanding of a book and, and, and good application of a book. What we're going to do, though, is we're going to tackle it a little bit differently than we typically do. So uh, here's how we're going to do it. Typically, we would go verse by verse by verse through a book, and we would end a book covering every single verse. But this book is, is, is uh, made up of just numerous different individual proverbs. Many of them have overlapping themes and principles and, and things of that nature. And so what we're going to do is we're going to kind of bounce from proverb to proverb, but we're going to tackle uh, the major themes of the book of Proverbs and hopefully really equip you by the end of the summer to read these for yourself, understand what you're doing as you grow through uh, the, the book of, of Proverbs. So we won't, we won't really tackle every single verse, but hopefully you'll, you'll feel like you leave equipped and, and ready to go through it. And uh, our, our heart, too, is that we can really help you to become a self-feeder, that you can say, now I know how to read the Proverbs, apply the Proverbs, and they're useful for me. And so in regards to, to reading it for yourself, if you, why don't you go ahead and flip to Proverbs chapter 1. Why don't you do that if you're not already there? And uh, if, if you didn't notice on your way in, you can always grab a Bible if you didn't bring one. And if you don't have one of your very own at home, Take that one. It's our gift to you. We would love for you to take that and, and break it in. And so it's, it's yours if you need to grab it on the way out. But we'll have the verses up here on the screen. But Proverbs chapter 1 is where we're going to be. In regards to reading it for yourself, here, here's, here's a, a recommended way. Maybe you've heard it before. Maybe you haven't. But right out of the gate, let me just kind of share this with you. Is, is Since in any given month, there's typically up to 31 days, give or take a couple, right? Um, there's 31 chapters in Proverbs. And so what, what you can do is you can read the proverb that corresponds with that particular day. And so today is June 12th, and you would read Proverbs 12, tomorrow Proverbs 13, 14, so on and so on. I did this once for a year straight, having gone through almost all except the, you know, the latter few Proverbs 12 times, right? And, and it's just incredible how you just leave, you end that year with just a lot of great recall of Proverbs having read and, and having repeated those. And so I would encourage you to do that. Uh, maybe through the course of the summer, you would want to commit for the next, you know, three months or so to do that with us as we go along here. And I, I really think you'll, you'll benefit greatly. All right, Proverbs 1.1, let's read it and we'll, we'll jump right into it. It says this, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of and so who's our author here? Trick question. Our author is Solomon, yes, but really all scripture is breathed out by God, 2 Timothy 3.16. So the author is God. God uses Solomon. We'll just establish that one um, out of the gate here. He is really the collector of the Proverbs, and he's also the, the author of many of the, the Proverbs. And, and there's also uh, in chapter 22, 23, 24, there's, there's some sayings from a group called the wise, and so they're in there. And then chapter 30 and 31, there are some oracles from Agur and Lemuel. But King Solomon's the one who really gets the, the credit. He's the primary figure as the one who's kind of collected this anthology of, of Proverbs. And, and it really kind of stems 
from this crazy night that, that Solomon had back in 2 Chronicles chapter 1 or 1 Kings chapter 3 if you want to look that up. But in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 1, he has this wild kind of night. In, in, in 1 Chronicles, it ends the book with, with Solomon's father, the anointed king of Israel. He dies, right? David dies. Solomon, just before he dies, has been appointed uh, king. And, and, and now in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 1, he has this, this night where it happens. And, and what happens is that plot to so many good movies, right? A wish. You get a wish, right? Like I'm trying to think of some Tom Hanks and Big, right? Anybody fans of that movie? Or, or uh, Robin Williams and Prince Ali. And I, I like to say it with that accent. You know, Prince Ali. Prince Ali and Aladdin. There's a wish there or several wishes. Or Jim Carrey and Bruce Almighty. There's a wish, right? And maybe you can, as a kid, remember what, if you're like me as a kid, you think through wishes. I, w- I always say, well, I'm just gonna, my first wish is going to be for ten more wishes, right? And so I'm unlimited, right? I think that was against the rules in Aladdin, wasn't it? He said you can't ask, you can't fall in love or make her fall in love with, with you, something like that. Anyhow, so here, here's the plot, a, a wish, right? It's, it's, it's not a, a, a fiction, though. It's, it's real life, a real king over ancient Israel, and, and, and God comes to him at night, and, and he says, I want to give you anything. He says, he says, ask what I shall give you, and it's, it's yours. I, God, who have all things at my disposal, I want to give you something, and, and you can ask for it, and it's yours. And that, you know you've been waiting for this since, what, third grade when Aladdin came out, right? You've been waiting for your wish. Anything. And so Second Chronicles uh, 110, we'll put it on the screen for you. You don't have to flip there. It's not our primary text. But uh, what, does, what does Solomon ask for? He says this. He says, uh, he says, Give me now wisdom and knowledge to go out and come in before this people. For who can govern this people of yours, which is so great? And so his wish, this is pretty cool. His wish is, is I ask for wisdom. I ask for knowledge to govern your people, God. And, and now listen to what God says in, in verses 11 and 12. He says, because this was in your heart and you have not asked for possessions, wealth, honor, or the life of those who hate you. And have not even asked long life, but have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may govern my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you, and I will also give you riches, possession, honor, such as none of the kings who, had, uh, who, who were before you and none after you shall have the like. And, and, and so this, let's just kind of recap this. Let's see what happens here. It's, it's a pretty incredible thing that he asks for wisdom, and God says, deal plus some, right? And, and, and one thing that I think we just need to see right out of the gate is, is, is that God is pleased with Solomon's request. He, he really likes this request from, from Solomon. See, here's, here's a guy who could have asked for anything from the one who is, is, is over everything, yet he chooses, he chooses wisdom, and God is pleased with this choice. And so he gives him he gives him wisdom and, and knowledge. And he says, because you haven't asked for possessions, wealth, honor, long life, or, or the death of those who are against you, because you haven't asked for that, I'm going to also give you riches and possessions and honor like nobody's ever seen, nobody will ever see. And this guy was absolutely loaded. And so what we're going to do tonight is we're going to see four wisdom principles. I just want to check out some wisdom principles because wisdom is really the thrust of the, the Proverbs. And, and here's the thing. 
these, these principles are just going to be foundational for our summer series together. Just absolutely foundational. Because if you can't wrap your mind around these principles, then the Proverbs are going to be of no eternal value to you. They're going to be of value to you on this earth because truth is truth is truth is truth. But they're not going to have this eternal value. And so let me just give you some principles. Here's, here's the first principle that we, we get from Solomon. Principle number one is, is, is this. Wisdom, when humbly pursued, pleases God. Wisdom, humbly pursued, pleases God. It's real clear here in Second Chronicles 1 that God is pleased. He requests wisdom, and God says, absolutely. And because you've, you've requested wisdom and not all these other things, I'm going to give you so much more. And, and, and so the, the riches and the possession and the, the honor is really from God a big, fat stamp of approval on Solomon's request. And so let it be clear to you that when you pursue wisdom, that God wants to grant it to you. Back in, uh, in, in, over in James chapter 1, verse 5, let me just read this to you. James chapter 1, verse 5, here's what it says. This is kind of a wisdom book of the New Testament. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. And so, so here's the thing. Many of us, maybe you're facing a new challenge in life, a new, new chapter, a new stage in, in, in your life. And maybe a decision has to be made. Maybe there's a new opportunity in, in front of you. And you're at this place where, man, wisdom is needed. Let me ask you this, though. What's your first move? Typically, what would be your, your first move? Is your first move to, you know, go to the, the phone and not the throne, right? Is that your first move? Is your first move to open up your laptop and start doing some research and say, okay, what, what, what should I do based on what the, the, the plethora of information tells me to do out there? Or is your first move to, uh, you know, just from your own mental uh, facilities, just start devising a plan and just here's what I, I need to do from your own uh, limited amount of wisdom, or is your first move to say, God, this is the very first move, God, I, I need wisdom. I, I need some wisdom because you want to give it to me, and, and, and so I'll take that. Is that your first move? The other things aren't bad. Those are, those are actually really good things to do, but your first move is, is, God, I need some wisdom, and he's pleased to provide that from himself, from his people, from his word, from truth that is out there in, in the world. Seek it from the Lord. But here's, here's a big caveat. This is a, a huge caveat that we need to get. Wisdom is to be humbly pursued, right? That's, that's huge. Wisdom has to be humbly pursued. See, God was really pleased with Solomon's request because it was a request for wisdom. But for what purpose? If you remember, the, the purpose, was it to look wise? It wasn't to look wise. It wasn't to advance his own name. It wasn't to impress other people. His request for, for wisdom, Second Chronicles 1.10, uh, he requests it so that he can go out, it says, and come in before this people of yours, God, for who can govern this people of yours? And so he wants wisdom so that he can, he can lead God's people well, Israel. He, that's why he wants wisdom. And, and so God says, all right, stamp of approval on that. That's a humble request. And, and with this request, with, with a wish, if you had one, what's, what's the average person's heart going to just instantly go to? Where's it going to move? I think the average person's heart with a request like this would be to move towards self-seeking and, and self-interest, right? But Solomon's heart was moving straight towards God and, and serving 
God's people. It's this humble pursuit of, of wisdom founded in a real desire to please the Lord. Now, does, does this mean that we should never ask for wisdom for ourselves and our own situation? Think about that. No, it doesn't. What it, what it means is that, is that when, when we ask for wisdom for our own situations, we ask for wisdom that is, that is rooted in a desire to make decisions and, and, and make steps in life that please the Lord. So God, I need, I need wisdom in this situation because I, I want to honor you. I want to make the move in my life. I want to go the, the route that, that will please you. And so humility is always, always, always a peace. Always a peace to pleasing the Lord. One of the most, for me, the most frightening passages of Scripture in the entire Bible is James chapter 4, verse 6. Some of you maybe know it. You should totally memorize this. James chapter 4, verse 6, it says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Does that freak you out like it freaks me out? That God opposes you? God is against you if, if, if you are proud? But he gives grace, as he did to Solomon, to those people who are, are humble. And he wants to give us grace, but I think so often our pride, our self-seeking, our, our arrogance gets in the way. And so God says, uh-uh, I, I have to oppose you if that's your heart. And so as we talk about wisdom, what are some of the first things that just start to come to your mind? You say, yeah, I want that. I think we all probably say, yeah, I want some, some wisdom. Does your mind go to, well, wisdom would help me to get the promotion. <laughs> wisdom would help me to get the attention. Wisdom would help me to get the respect that I deserve. Wisdom would help me to get the girl, right? Is that your mindset? Or does your mind quickly go to, wisdom would help me make a decision that pleases the Lord. Wisdom would, would help me serve other people better. Wisdom would, would help me lead other people in the way that they should go. You kind of see the difference right out of the gate there. There's, there's a big difference. How about, how about what James says? Let me give you another James verse here. James uh, 3, 13 through 15. We'll throw it on the screen for you. Here's what it says. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the, the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly and spiritual, catch this one, demonic, demonic. And, and, and so what we have here is there's, there's self-seeking, self-ambition kind of wisdom, and then there's Solomon kind of wisdom, humble, I want to serve God, I want to serve others kind of wisdom. And he says that's the kind of wisdom that comes down from above. And so God is pleased when you pursue wisdom, but when you pursue it humbly. Here's, here's the next one. The next principle is this, is that wisdom is continually needed by all. It's continually needed by all of us. You and me, we all, all need it. So let's move into our primary text here. Primary text, Proverbs chapter 1, uh, verse uh, 1 through 7 is, is the text, and it really is the, the prologue here. To Proverbs. We've seen verse 1 gives us the title and the primary author. Now look at verses 2 through 6. Let's, let's read that. It says, To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying. 
the words of the wise and their riddles. We'll stop there and get seven later. So here's the goal of the Proverbs. Verses 2 and 3 says, the goal of the Proverbs is to get wisdom into the hands of the readers. That's us, to get wisdom into our hands so that we might have some intensely practical, it says, words of insight, instruction for uh, dealing wisely in, in righteousness, justice, and, and in equity. And so Solomon's uh, desire here in writing the Proverbs and, and recording them and collecting them for us, it's, it's humble. It's focused on God and it's focused on us, his, his readers. It wasn't to, to, to create, you know, this, this old left collection for us to say, man, that guy was, was wise, but it was to impart wisdom to us. Humility is, is huge here. And, and, and so throughout the course of the summer, we're just going to pursue wisdom. And, and who needs it according to this? It says we all, we all need it. Notice how, how Solomon kind of differentiates his, his audience. Look at verses 4, 5, and 6. He says, I'm speaking to the simple, I'm speaking to the, the youth, I'm speaking to the wise, I'm speaking to the one who understands. So here's what we have from Solomon. He says, this book, this collection is for, for everyone. All need the humble pursuit of wisdom for the rest of their life. All of us need it, whether you're a blue-collar worker or you're a, a white-collar executive or, or you're, you're young and you're lacking in experience or maybe you have some, some years behind you and, and, and some experience in various areas of life, whether you have uh, impressive degrees and, and prestigious schools behind your name or, or you have no degrees whatsoever, maybe you've been there, you've done that, or you're just completely green. He says, it, it doesn't matter. You all need wisdom and you all always need Wisdom. Isn't it, isn't it kind of strange that, that Solomon calls for the wise to, to hear, it says, and increase in learning. And it calls for the understanding to obtain guidance. Isn't that kind of interesting? If you're wise, he says, increase in learning. If you're understanding, obtain guidance. It's, it's going to be really easy over the course of our summer for when we get to your topic, you know what I mean? Your topic, for you just to check out. Ah, cool. Marriage, got this. A lot of anniversaries behind me. I, I'm good. Or, or money, well, I have a finance degree, so I'm all set. See ya. You know, I'll just kind of zone out. Or maybe it's uh, parenting. Here I am. I got three kids. You know, I've got three kids. My, my oldest one just graduated preschool, so I'm all set, man. I mean, teenage years, nothing compared to preschool, right? I'm all set. You guys are, you guys are laughing at me. You're ridiculous, right? No, you can't pridefully check out. You have to, you have to hang in here because he says it's needed for all, because here's the thing, the moment that you think that you've arrived in, in any of these areas that the Proverbs cover, it's, it's the moment that you are unbelievably susceptible to fall and, and, and to struggle and to fail in this particular area. I mean, how do you explain the extremely wealthy man who goes bankrupt? Well, what he does is he stops obtaining wisdom and seeking and pursuing wisdom, and oftentimes he stops practicing those very principles that led to wealth. Things like being frugal, uh, things like uh, saving and not going into debt. How do you explain the, the thriving marriage that, that everybody says, man, they have it together, and suddenly you just get that blow of news that says they're done. They just completely checked. How do you explain that? Well, oftentimes they look around and they say, we're doing pretty good. We got the romance thing going on. We got uh, our kids are doing, and, and they, they feel like they're, they're doing very well, and they stop pursuing wisdom and knowledge and working 
on this thing, and oftentimes they, they fail in their marriage because they think they have it t- together. And so Solomon, he, he got this, at least in the early days. He's the, the wisest man to ever live, uh, yet he's regularly seeking wisdom, and he's regularly surrounding himself by, by the right people. And so let me just give you just a couple more Proverbs that, that Solomon uh, gives us that, that says that if you're already wise, you should seek more wisdom, just so that nobody will, will check out here. Uh, Proverbs 1.5 we read, right? He says, let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. Uh, Proverbs 12.15, he says, the way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man, you're already wise, listens to advice. He says things like plans fail for, for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. So in other words, he knows that I'm, I'm a wise man. I got it together. God blessed it, but I'm still going to surround myself with counsel so that I can succeed and not lack. And so he's saying this, the wise are going to seek even more wisdom. So let me just plead with you, stay teachable. You've got to stay teachable. You start sprouting some gray hairs like me, preschooler, suddenly you start to think, man, I'm wise. No, stay, stay teachable. Can I just make a cultural observation? This is, this is a frustrating cultural observation. I mean, here's my theory. Generally speaking, if you think you're good, you're not. Can I say that? If you think you're good, you're not. Like some of you guys, you flip on the TV, you see this one play out all the time. There's a million talent competitions out there right now. Dancing, singing, group dancing, group singing, like acrobat. I mean, just we, all these talent competitions. And, and have you ever noticed the, 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 the people who come on aggressive and cocky and they think they have it together and they have this swagger? What happens when they start to open their mouth? They usually stink. <laughs> They're usually awful. Have you noticed that? They're usually just really no good. They don't want to listen to the judge's advice. They're just, well, you're crazy telling me I'm no good, right? They usually are awful, right? Because they don't want to listen. And that's been the pattern their whole life. But have you ever noticed the posture of the people who are really good? I mean, they're incredible. Typically, they kind of come on real humble, not a lot of swagger. And they do their thing, and the judges typically are just blown away. Like, who would have known you were that good? And then they listen to the the, the judges feedback and they say, yes, you're in, you get the ticket or whatever it may be. And they just start freaking out. And I'm like, did you not think that you're, you're good? Did you not think that you're going through to wherever you're going through to? Depends show to show to show, right? Here's the thing. They, they're, they're good because they've been humble and they've listened to wisdom. They listen to counsel all along the way. And see, truly wise people are going to be people who are, are truly humble, They'll never say, I, I've arrived, I'm there. There's always more wisdom to gain. But like Solomon, the second they think they got it together, they're going to bomb. And, and we'll see that Solomon does bomb. But when you think you have it together, you're very vulnerable. Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verse 15. This is a, a good memorization verse. Check this one out. It says, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time for the day's are evil. In other words, you better, you better look around, figure out where you're going, and make sure that you're walking in wisdom, and you're continually walking forward in wisdom and seeking wisdom. Why? It says because the days are evil. In other words, every single day, the enemy wants to put in front of us opportunities for, for failure. Every single day, he wants to see us 
us trip up. And if you don't keep walking in wisdom, if you don't keep seeking wisdom, you're going to get tripped up and you're going to be ultimately crushed. And so keep humbly pursuing wisdom. Keep moving forward. Don't ever think, I finally got there. I'm good. Compare yourself to other people. I'm all set. Because here's, here's, here's a true thing that I've seen time and time and time again, is that it's far more difficult for the enemy to hit the moving target that's moving forward than the one who's stationary, right? And, and, and I'm all set. Here's the next principle. Uh, next principle, last verse. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. Let's, let's read it. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Beginning of, of knowledge is, is the fear of the Lord. And, and so here's, this, is, this is huge. This is really huge. Wisdom must accompany knowledge for knowledge to be any good. It, it, it has to accompany knowledge for knowledge to be any good. Uh, maybe you've noticed on that, that image that was up earlier, um, maybe you noticed the verse that says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's from Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. And this verse reads, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of knowledge. And what you're going to see in, in Proverbs is that wisdom and knowledge are, are, are coupled. They're, they're linked throughout the Proverbs. Even back in, in 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 1, what did Solomon ask for? You remember? He asked God, it says, he says, give me wisdom and knowledge. Verse 12, God responds and says, wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. And so wisdom and knowledge are, are linked. They're, they're a couple in the, the Proverbs because Solomon knows that they're a team. Wisdom and knowledge are, are a team. Knowledge cannot stand alone. It should not stand alone. It has to be coupled with wisdom. But I think most commonly in our culture, we kind of have that backwards, don't we? We see knowledge, and we call that, that wisdom. And uh, we see wisdom as things like gray hair, years, right? And, and you've got some years behind you, therefore you know some things for sure. Maybe we see wisdom as graduate degrees, postgraduate degrees, the name of your school. We see wisdom as a large vocabulary. We see wisdom as, as loads of money, loads of opinion. And we say, that's wisdom. They, they got a lot up in, in that head of theirs. But but they must go together, right? It can't just be knowledge. It's got to be knowledge with, with, with true wisdom. And knowledge is not necessarily wisdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 says this. It says, knowledge puffs up. You ever heard that before? Now, here's the thing. I think probably many, if not most of you, have heard that inappropriately preached to you. Knowledge puffs up as if knowledge is intrinsically a, a, a bad thing. And, and so often you hear churches say, you know, you shouldn't really consume yourself with theology because that just makes you, it puffs you up. It makes you, a, you know, big-headed and, and, and arrogant. But it doesn't, it's not that we shouldn't. It says that it, it needs to be coupled with something else. Knowledge puffs up, but go on. It says, but love, what's it say? You know what? Love builds up, right? Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And so it's not that knowledge is, is bad. Knowledge is a good thing. It, it comes from the Lord but it's got to be coupled with love. It's got to be coupled with action. You've got to put it in, into action. And our knowledge has to be coupled with wisdom. And what is wisdom? Humbly pursued. Wisdom is, is pleasing God and, and, and serving other people. And so wisdom is really the, the outworking of knowledge, right? Wisdom is the outworking of knowledge. See, knowledge comes quickly, but wisdom can come very slowly, right? It's easy for some of you to, to just 
load your brain full of facts. You can do that in a good weekend with a book. You can just load your brain full of facts. If you're like me, I was a good crammer in school. I could cram. I could really shove it into my head and, and do well in a test. But man, ask me a couple weeks later, gone, right? And, and so knowledge can come quickly. But, but wisdom, it, it takes life. It takes time. Uh, in Solomon's case, it takes God's blessing. Let me just kind of give you an example of this. Um, think back to when you were 15 or 16 years old. You, you're cramming for your learner's permit, right? Remember this? Oh, man, I was cramming so hard. And, and man, I, I got it all down. We go to the library where I was from, and the cop meets you there and drives you around. And uh, Well, that's actually to get the test, but you take the, the test on these machines. And I remember, I remember cramming for the permit, and I go in there, and I passed it. I get this piece of paper with my you know, pubescent picture, just awkward, on there, and still have that today just to humble myself. And, uh, man, I remember when I came out and I showed my parents the, the picture of me, the little, you know, the, the certificate or whatever they call it, the permit, I was ready. I was like, all right, man, I got this. I know this clearly. I know how to drive. Give me the keys, Mom. Hop in Mom's big red minivan in the driver's seat. And I was ready to go because I knew what I was doing. And, and I knew the 20-page book. I was all set. I'm telling you, I almost killed my mother time and time again. I mean, from the, from the library to my home, this long stretch of road. And every time a car would come head on, I would just freak out. And so you pull hard right, right? And so you're just off the road. And, and then when a, when the other times I'd be swerving in the middle because I just couldn't keep control of this big red minivan. And never in my life had I heard my mother say, Joshua! So many times, just time and time and time. Joshua! Joshua was horrified. Just whiplash with the brakes. It was an incredible it was an incredible thing, and man, it was, it was awful. It was awful. See, knowledge, knowledge in the head has to be coupled with, with wisdom and the outworking of that knowledge. Listen, tomorrow we have a, a newly married couple coming home from their honeymoon, and reality sets in, and they're going to hop out of their car, walk into their apartment, and bam, reality, right? And uh, I'm telling you, they're going to be experts at marriage because they went through the Josh Wyatt premarital counseling. They read, they read the book. They read it cover to cover. We even talked about it. So they, they know what they're doing, right? No, of course not, right? It's, that's knowledge. You know what you're doing. But, man, when reality sets in, when kids show up you know, by the stork at your, your, your stoop, I'm telling you, it's crazy. And so we've got to pursue not just knowledge, but we have to pursue wisdom and, and the working out of that. In order for knowledge to be any good, it has to be coupled with wisdom, which comes from life, which comes from time, which comes in many cases from heartache and error, and even God uses our sin. And so that's why, as I said before, wise people tend to be very humble people. Say, I, I'm going to tell you what I've learned, but a lot of it I learned because I messed up. I'm going to tell you what I learned, but I'm going to tell you that because crash the car a few times, right? Wise people tend to be very humble because mistakes had to be made. Here's the last principle. Wisdom starts with the fear of the Lord. It starts with the fear of the Lord. What's it say? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of knowledge. The beginning of knowledge. And, and, and both knowledge here and wisdom, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom in chapter 9, verse 10. 
both the fear of the Lord. And if you want to pursue wisdom, you, you've got to start with God. Again, those two, knowledge and wisdom, are coupled, but you've got to start with, with God. And I know the idea of the fear of God is incredibly un, uh, unpopular in our culture. We have this idea that if God is love, 1 John 4, 8, then how could we have a fear of, of God? And, and here's what it means by, by fearing God. It means that we are to understand who He is, that we're to have an appropriate awe and reverence and respect and humility towards Him. It's this good fear. It's good, healthy, appropriate fear. I, I've been teaching this to my boys, right? A good, healthy, appropriate fear of the road, right? Because I don't want them to be roadkill. I, I want to take care of these, these kids. And, 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 and in their heart, they just want to ignore the reality of the road. They want to beeline it down our driveway and just jump in the street and dance around and, and, and use sidewalk chalk all over the road. But, but if they ignore the reality of the road, they're going to they're gonna die. And likewise, if you ignore the reality of who God is, it's not going to end well for you. And, and it's very unpopular. It's, it's very unpopular. But just because the fear of God is unpopular doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about it. The, the reality of the road is unpopular for my boys. They don't like when I say, no, you can't run when we're on the sidewalk on a busy street. They don't like that. They don't like, they don't like the rules. They enjoy what? The, the park. They enjoy the fences that, that are there. And they can just roam free and, and have no concern for, for, for the road. Um, but I'm telling you, they have to know the reality of the road, especially now that we have a newborn baby. And so Becky and I are moving from man on man to zone defense, you know what I'm talking about. And so we don't have enough hands. And, and so you know, we're holding the baby in. The, the Luca, the middle one, and then Isaiah's got to, you know, he's got to stay right beside us. And so I have instilled the fear of the Lord, the fear of the road in that boy because I don't want him to die. <laughs> and I'd be very, very stern with him every single time. Is that wrong of me? No. I would be an awful father if I didn't take that seriously. And likewise, I, I'm really convinced I would be an awful pastor, an awful preacher, if, if I only preach God is love, and God is love, but God is also one to be feared, to stand in awe of, to have this unbelievable respect and reverence and humility towards. That's why in, in John, when he finally sees Jesus, not just Jesus in the flesh as he saw him, but Jesus as he saw the transfigured Jesus, and, and Jesus as he saw in Revelation, when he sees him, in all his splendor and majesty and glory, what does it say that he does? I fell down to the ground as though dead. I just, it was unreal, unreal. What happens in scripture is, is Christians, when they see the Lord, they fall down on their face. <laughs> but what you also see in scripture is when others see the Lord who don't trust in him and don't have the appropriate fear of him, you know what you'll see? Read it. They fall backwards. They fall backwards. We are to have an appropriate fear of the Lord. And if you, if you go through life and you have all this wisdom, but you don't have a fear of the Lord, that wisdom means nothing. And that's why wisdom starts with the fear of the Lord. That's where it has to start. Because if you have all the wisdom and no appropriate understanding of God and view of God, then you're not wise. And the, the, the psalm or the proverb will actually continue on. It says you're a fool. 
talks about often in, in Proverbs, lady wisdom as, as kind of a caricature of, of wisdom. And it, and it goes on in this proverb, says that lady wisdom laughs at you. She warns you, warns you. It starts with the fear of the Lord, but if you say, I don't fear God, I'm going to do my own thing, she laughs at you. And so tonight, I guess I want to end with just a plea for, for all of us in this room, just to really take him seriously. Say, if we're going to jump into the Proverbs, it must begin with the fear of the Lord. A balance of, he used to be feared, but yet he reaches down into humanity and he loves us. And we even have this picture of, of Jesus weeping alongside of us. Incredible thing, but they are to be, to be balanced. Here, here's fear. Imagine you're in a room with a lot of people and you get a surprise visit by the president. What's going to happen? Everybody's going to shut their mouth. Nobody's going to talk anymore. They're going to they're be quiet out of respect for the president. What's going to happen is, is they're going to be quiet because they understand his, his power over them. They understand that if, if you start goofing off around the president, the, the security is going to get very nervous, and they're going to take you out. They're gonna, they're, you're you're out of here. And people are also going to get quiet out of a desire to, to hear what, what is he going to say. What kind of wisdom is he going to impart? Or what kind of judgment is, is he going to impart? Now, how much greater should our fear of, of the Lord be? I want to plead with you. Don't miss out on his power. Don't miss out on what he has to say. Because if you do, you, you're, not, you're not wise. You may acquire wisdom, but it's not wisdom from the Lord because it didn't start with the, the fear of the Lord. And, and here's what God has to say. If he comes before us, and I believe he does, and he has, his word is right here. Here's what he has to say, I believe, to every single one of you. As you fall, fall down before him, what does he do with John when he falls in fear of the Lord? He then reaches, doesn't he? He reaches and, and pulls him up. And he says, I do love you. Thank you for the appropriate fear. And here's the truth. He loves all of us. And, and he says, I want a relationship with you. That's why I created you. But you ruined it. Because you showed no fear of me. And that's called sin. I don't need you, God. I, I don't acknowledge who you are, God. That's, that's called sin. And the result, the Bible says, is death. The wrath of God. Sin against an incredible, unbelievably imaginable, loving but fearful God. We, we deserve his wrath, but then in love, he gives us a second chance through his son, Jesus. As Jesus, his son, goes and dies on a cross as our substitution, he then resurrects back to life, defeating Satan and sin and, and death for us. And now if we will come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I trust in you, I place my faith in you, I want you to restore me to right relationship with, with God that's the fear of the Lord because you said, I see you for who you are. I want to listen to you, and I want to heed your word. And, and so I, I just want to close with, with this. As a, as a loving father with my kids, I said, please don't. Please, not the road. Take it seriously. I love you. I don't want you to get hit. I say that to you as well as a pastor. Please take God seriously. As we jump into this, if you just... If you just get all of, all of these principles from the Proverbs at the end of the summer, but you have no fear of the Lord, you're not wise. You leave with no 
lasting wisdom into eternity. You leave with, with no appropriate view of God. I pray that you would see God for who he is and, and out of awe and reverence and respect and humility say, you're it. You're everything. You're where it starts and you're the path I want to go on. I want to I humbly pursue wisdom so that I can please you. I want to continually, continually be in wisdom the rest of my life. I want to acquire knowledge as you give it because truth is truth. But I want to work it out in wisdom. God, it's all for you. It's all about you. That's life, guys. And I don't want you to miss it. Can we pray? Let's pray.